0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six-slides, eight-neighborhood, zero-compromise vacation. The ultimate never-done-that-can't-wait-to-do-it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back, everybody. It is 1234 in Edmonton. It's a game night, game five. The Edmonton Oilers, the LA Kings. We always knew the series was going to be tight. A little bit more of that discussion coming up with Frank Seravalli momentarily, but not before I tell you, guests and orders now receive your certificates to Roost Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to ninety nine ninety Jasper Avenue and tell Chris and Chef El that orders now sent you. Uh, Roos Chris is open every order game night. They are open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until close. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show daily face-offs Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Reminding you, opening day at Century Morale Racetrack is Saturday, May the 6th. You'll be able to watch and wager on the Kentucky Derby. Uh, for more information, head to thehorses.com. Hello, Frank. How you doing? How are you? Uh, I'm not bad. I have a uh, a stati- a question a query for you. Is there a better active player in playoff time right now than Leon Dreisettle? In the series, he's got five goals, nine points, plus four. He's playing 23-26 per game. He's 52.5% on face-off circles. He has 68 points in 41 career games in the playoffs, plus 15. Uh, he has 41 points in his last 20 games in the playoffs. He has the second most points per game of any player that's played north of 40 games in the playoffs. In NHL history, only Wayne Gretzky is higher. What do you think?
1: I'm going to say no to the answer uh, to your question, and I would say I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say that Leon Dreisaitl is etching his name in history as one of the best big game playoff players of all time. Okay, but you do not think he's
0: currently the best active player?
1: No, you said is there anyone better, and I said no. Oh, there's,
0: oh, you're saying there is nobody better than him right now.
1: It's, Not right now, but I'm yeah. saying he's he's inching into that all-time territory.
0: All right. Now I'm going to shoot a couple more stats your way. Uh, three, uh, three matchups in the opening round feature teams separated by five points or less. Uh, that would be New Jersey and the Rangers, Dallas and Minnesota, and Edmonton, L.A. All three of those series are currently tied 2 2. They've been different, but at the end of the day, they're tied 2 2. Tampa Bay had the 18th best record in the league in the second half of the year. Winnipeg was 22nd. Now factor in they both got Besantin Trophy goalies. Um, mm-hmm. or should we be surprised based on how Tampa Bay played in the second half of the season or how Winnipeg played in the second half of the season that they're down three one. And conversely, should we be surprised that Oilers LA many and Dallas and New Jersey and Rangers are tied 2 two, given how close they were during the regular season?
1: Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So which series do you want to start with? I mean, Am I surprised that the Lightning are down 3-1 based on the way that they've played for the bulk of the series? Yes, I am. Am I surprised that the Leafs found a way to flip the switch and erase the 4-1 deficit in a 10-minute span? Yes, I am. I mean, the Leafs have been battling demons demons of playoff past for a long time. And to see all of that evaporate, that's what it feels like today in the span of you know, 15 minutes of game action. Yeah, I mean, that's about as surprising as it gets to see a Tampa Bay Lightning team that's been to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals. That's the untalked about, unwritten thing in these last, you know, 72 hours of the playoffs is, yeah, the Leafs were good, but man, did the Lightning choke away two games that they should have won.
0: And I would assert to you, since I took Toronto in five, Uh, and I might get one right for once. Um, I just think the Lightning weren't as good and as deep a team, especially up front as they have been and they're worn down from those long playoff runs, and this was kind of inevitable when you looked at how... I mean, they had some ugly games in the final 15. I mean, I gave you the numbers from January 10th on. They played 44 games. They had the 18th best record. The Jets were, you know, they just did a good first half of the year with bonus, 22nd best record. They had a minus goal differential, yeah. uh, you know, 22nd. It's no
1: secret how poor they've been really since late January.
0: Right, right. Uh, now the other three that I mentioned that are tied to two teams separated by five points or less. Yeah. I mean, your thoughts on that.
1: They're all different series. I mean, you look at the devils and the way that they've played against New York. And, and frankly, it, it's not so much been about what New Jersey has done. I think to me as more important, what the Rangers haven't done. And that's play a conscientious 200 foot game. You hear their coach and Gerard Gallant hammer that team last night and then again question their top six and their compete level this morning at his availability. I mean, I look at the Rangers and I really wonder, with all the talent that they've packed into their lineup, do they have a recipe for success in the Stanley Cup playoffs, given that the way they play essentially amounts to pond hockey? And that may sound harsh, but watch their games closely, and you see
0: it's Artemi Panarin blowing it's, the zone. It's a pr- see, soft perimeter game.
1: Yeah, and that too. Like, that's another part of it. But just defensively, there's there's no hard edge to what they do, and they're, they're constantly over-reliant on Igor Shesterkin to bail them out. And when you have a goalie that's that good, maybe you can rely on that. I just don't know. You might win one round. You might win two. I don't know that you can win four playing that way. I
0: really don't. Okay. Dallas, Minnesota.
1: No inch of that ice has gone uncontested. Uh, That's been a knockdown drag out brawl. It's been physical. It's been nasty. It's been a hard edge series. And no surprise at all to me that those two teams are separated by next to nothing in this series and there's been significant you know injuries of course for Dallas, but Tyler Sagan has stepped up in a big way playing that spot on the power play for the stars that Pavelski normally uh, you know operates in and the fact that they have a chance to get Pavelski back as the series goes on is really interesting. Um, there's a reason why, the Colorado Avalanche came out to play in game 82 to win the Central. They didn't want to face the Minnesota Wild in round one. I guess be careful what you wish for, uh, knowing that that Abs Kraken series is tied. But the reason they didn't want to face the Wild is because they knew that it would be this type of game. It's a slog. It's not. They're not an easy out. They're not an easy team to play against. And they've been a really good, consistent team all year for the most part.
0: Edmonton, Los Angeles tied 2-2. You can make a strong argument. The Oilers should have won both games in Edmonton, and L.A. should have won both games in L.A. There's been comebacks for both teams to get overtime victories. Um, In my opinion, if L.A. doesn't suffer a couple injuries late in the year, we're not talking five-point separation. We're probably talking a two- or three-point separation between the two teams. Three of the four games have been overtime games, and one of the games was one goal with an empty netter. The Oilers game two four two victory. Frank, this has to be the closest series of the four that are being played.
1: Um, I would argue that Minnesota-Dallas has okay. been closer. Okay. Uh, but to your point, like there isn't really a lot separating the Kings and Oilers either. And I would say... You know, one thing that stood out for me is, is just the Oilers, they don't make life easy on themselves. You know, to be in a spot where you have to come back from a multi-goal deficit in the third, um, you essentially, you know, having erased it in the second, excuse me, um, you know, to avoid being down three, one in the series, like that's, that's high stress. That's strenuous, um, I feel like the Oilers just haven't, they didn't need to do that. And, you know, part of it is L.A. is opportunistic, like that's for sure. Um, and they've taken advantage of a lot of the opportunities that they've had. I just, I feel like when I watched the Oilers, the, what really stood out to me in the comeback was just how comfortable they were in that position. And I know that sounds funny to say, like they're not really phased by a lot. That's an important trait to have when it comes to the playoffs. There's this confidence that no matter what the score is, they'll find a way to dig out of it. I think you want to try and have an easier path if you can avoid it. But I'll be real honest with you, too. Like, I said this before the series started, and I mean it. I think the Kings are a good team, and I think they're heading in the right direction. Like, what we see from L.A. now is, like, kind of just the beginning of this team's – Totally agree. Chance to win, it's just opening. So, I said, you know, before the playoffs started, I picked the Oilers to win the cup, and I can just as easily see Edmonton playing in the Stanley Cup final as I can them losing in the first round to LA. Like, it's that the margin is that thin.
0: Yeah, they had a way easier matchup last year, right? Jonathan Quick was not the Jonathan Quick of old. Corpus no Arvidson, or no Arvid- Arvidson's a
1: pain in the arse to play against,
0: no doubty I mean, that's the biggest. No doubt,
1: I mean, come on. like that's. It. And then guess what? You had a series that started this, this time around with no Fiala and no Velarde.
0: And they didn't capitalize in game one. So, uh, Now, that said, uh, they did, I think, a pretty good job responding in game number four. Your thoughts on uh, Jay Woodcroft coming back with Stuart Skinner after pulling him in game four?
1: Makes total sense to me. It's the decision I would have made if I was leading the Oilers. Not that that counts for anything. Uh, that and a, and a dollar will get you a copy of, uh, of today's Edmonton Journal or whatever it costs now. Um, to me, I just think Skinner's the way more confident guy. And I understand that his teammates root for Jack Campbell. Um, they, they think he's been an incredibly supportive teammate. As a guy, he's very well-respected Uh, And that's important because you need that in a tandem, too. But even I know what the numbers say. Like, I know that Campbell stopped 27 of 28. I just felt like even in game four, there were a couple shaky moments that didn't need to be. And I think you'd consider the overall... There's a few things that factor into this. One, the overall uh, body of work this season, it's it's really not comparable. So that's one, you kind of eliminate the one-game, 40-minute sample size of Campbell in the playoffs. And two, the big thing is if you're going to veer away from Skinner now, how do you then go back to him at another point in the playoffs or this series if Campbell falters in game five? He's a younger guy. He's still getting experience, still getting his feet wet. I don't think you want to shake his confidence. You say to him like, "Hey, you had a tough twenty minutes in Game Four.
0: You're go get our it guy. Back. Go get it back. Yeah,
1: yeah, you'll get it back, and you're our guy. And I think that's the proper approach because approach, it's it, you can't unring that bell once you do it. You can always go to Campbell again if you need to.
0: Uh, Frank Cervalli joining us right now for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta again. Opening day for Century Mile Racetrack is the day of the Kentucky Derby. And that's Saturday, May the 6th. For more info, head to thehorses.com. So, Frank, it's interesting with officiating because there are some people out there. You should never question the refs. The refs, the, The reality of the situation is sometimes there's tough calls against you. That's just the way it works out. And other times you get a beneficial call. Now, if uh, you know, if a Siri, if the supervising official for the series comes in and says, well, we're targeting two players, and one guy's playing for one team and another guy's not playing for another team, I would say that would be a little bit concerning because I'm like, well, wait a second, here should you be targeting anybody? Where do you come in? Uh, where do you, you, you know, I, I look at the ticky-tack. You're going to need to expound on that for a second. What, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you know –
1: there's a pre-series meeting with the series supervisor, and, yes. and, and
0: usually, actually, pre-game meeting. Yes, as well. a pre-game meeting as well. So let's just say, like, like I'm I, in terms of ticky-tack calls in the course of this series. If you're an Oiler's partisan for the first three games, you probably didn't like it. You probably thought it might have been three nothing for L.A. I didn't like the call specifically against Dry Settle. Like to me, that's that's a warning. You skate by Leon and go, Leon, don't do that again. Don't tap him on the back of an ankle after you score. Instead yeah, I thought that was excessive. I agree. I, okay, and and it did influence the game. We'd have, so here's the thing. I don't like berating on the refs. It's interesting that there are a couple writers who have been connected and supportive of people like Colin Campbell for years uh, that would come to the defense every time. That's fine uh but the, it's just it's really interesting what happens at times like we don't know what gets said in those supervising meetings but i can tell you in the Sounded case, like you did it's interesting because i look at a guy like Vincent Dayarne okay mm-hmm. and it's almost like he hasn't been been allowed to play his game in this series so the Oilers finally get a big heavier tough team and dayarne in my opinion there's been i didn't like the overtime call okay that led to the goal and I didn't like the roughing call where they separated him from the pile on a play where Sean Drew's jersey creates the chaos after a whistle and they pull, uh, you know, now that night, like last night, Hedman got one for giving a couple uh, shots. Yeah,
1: that was silly too. And
0: I wondered if there
1: was a warning that
0: happened. That, that, that's, that. That. that's what I wondered on that. I, I, but in settles case, I'm like, why would you do that to the, like the guy that's the league MVP? And Leon will say afterwards, well, I you know, and Leon goes, we don't, like Leon said, we don't know what the standard is. That's a valid point. When a guy's sticking his, you know, you could have said, well, Dowdy, Doughty, Doughty need McDavid coming across the blue, no call. And then you turn around and a guy gives a little love tap with a stick and you call a minor penalty. So, again, it's just, it's really interesting at times how th- for through the first three games, if you're an Oilers fan, you probably weren't too happy. The penalties at that point were decisively in favor of the LA Kings they had a lot more power plays uh off the top of my head so before I answer your premise though I want to know um I can either confirm nor deny whether or not I have any information to say. no no I'm not asking about
1: that I want to know what you thought about the high stick review or or not review I knew if
0: you listened to our broadcast I said right away it'd be ruled inconclusive
1: okay But what is your, like, okay, so my general thought process on video review is that's not what it's
0: for. I agree.
1: It's not for Zapruder, like, I agree. uh, let's figure out whether he did or didn't touch it.
0: And, oh, by the way. Come on, man. You don't actually believe the U.S. government, uh, what's the report that they did, the Warren Commission? You don't actually believe any of that stuff, do you?
1: No. But uh, this is not a tinfoil hat session. So, here's the thing. There was another high stick that was missed. Yamamoto in the neutral zone about 50-some seconds before Hyman scored an OT. So what goes around comes around. I truly believe that. Um, You you know, you miss out in game three, you make up for it in game four.
0: Tony Breyer just brought me Royal Pizza to my broadcast booth. I just want to thank Tony. Him. Tony Breyer is a prince among I men. I tell you, he is. He knows I love Mediterranean chicken from Royal Pizza. He just brought it over. So circling I back, you know. I, I'm with you. The spirit of the rule at times has been taken too far. Video should be to catch Matt Duchesne 18 feet offside. Yes, side.
1: egregious mistakes. Yes,
0: yes, I agree. And it's gone too. And, and
1: you, we could even have a way longer discussion today about. How come Kale McCarr's hit on Jared McCann was reviewed and not called a major penalty and reduced to a minor? And then, by the way, today he gets suspended for one game, and oh, how did they even arrive at one game? Who knows? When you compare it to Michael Bunting, I actually think in some ways the the McCarr hit on McCann is more egregious. And then I was reminded in, in speaking to people around the league that, Games 5, 6, and 7 mean more in terms of the Department of Player Safety than yes. earlier games in the series, yes. which is, is mind-blowing in and of it itself. But in terms of the officiating, here's what I'll say. We have this debate every year. Yes. We talk about it every playoffs. But I actually think that it's never been worse. Never been I, worse? Never been worse. Wow. I'm, first off, I'm really old school in this point of view in that when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, unless a guy's head is rolling around on the ice, <laughs> that's that's the only time you break wow. out the whistle.
0: <laughs> oh, man, you're a beauty. I'll so th-
1: that's, that's my worse. thought process. So I'm, that's just so you understand where I come at it in
0: terms of point of view. Your approval ratings are at an all-time high at Edmonton right now. I can But tell
1: that's, you. that's the way it always was. Yes. And that's like, just look at a graph of how many penalties are called in a series per game based on what the series is at in terms of game number. Uh, Yeah. Game seven, there's never any calls. Yeah. Ever.
0: Yeah.
1: How is that the case? Frank? I, I just, I think part of the issue is one, the NHL needs to admit there's an issue. That's always
0: the first step in any 12-step process yeah well that with their current with the guys that are at Peterborough mafia that's a part of it right now uh, I mean I can remember when Danny Morrell used to do John short show at Edmonton. And those days have long since passed. Frank, great point by you. I, I got to get to one more thing. You wrote, okay. a, you, you wrote a beauty piece late last week. I had no idea this had happened in Vancouver and in Philadelphia. Can you please explain to our listeners who didn't see the story on Daily Faceoff about the conflict? You've got a two-minute form here. The conflict of in- interest that took place here uh, with uh, a hiring process for management.
1: Yeah, so you didn't know about it because a lot of people didn't know about it. And it's sort of been happening behind the scenes in that Neil Glassberg of PBI sports is an agent for managers and coaches and executives around the league. And now he is also being hired by teams to conduct their search process to hire executives and coaches. And, that appears to me, and, and more importantly than me, coaches and executives around the league to be a conflict of interest. So I wrote a story last week on Friday on dailyfaceoff.com that just looks into the process. The league appears to be okay with it. Obviously, the Philadelphia Flyers being at least the third team to hire him to be part of their executive or coaching search, um, they're okay with it too. But it it seems to stink in the sense that someone is involved on both sides of the table and was reminded by a coach, and you can see the quote in the piece, that the NHLPA has pretty specific regulations in place to prevent something like this from happening. You cannot represent players and agents at the same time. You know the 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 agent the coaching agent industry is a niche. There's only a few people that are involved in the space, um, and all of them except for Neil Glassberg are not involved in the executive search side of it oh, as man. well. To so called be on both sides of the table and double dip. Oh, wow. So it it seems distinct to, to me, but but and certainly to coaches and executives, but not to the league. So. Um, I think there's certainly some questions there and and just wanted to bring it to light in the sense that fans are asking, why should I care? And my answer is, well, you should care who your team is hiring and
0: why. There we go. Frank, awesome stuff. Cactus Jack is Texas on the Ashley Fine Flores text line. Bob, it's pretty clear Frank Cervalli is a media member who does not drink with the reps. He drinks with Bob and Cam at Pub 1905, says a texter. I don't know how Cactus Jack would know that. That that is accurate.
1: That is a hashtag confirmed fact.
0: There we go. Awesome stuff, Frank. Hey, thanks for doing the show. Take care, Bob. We carried Frank late into the break. We're going to marry the two. Uh, We will tell you when we come back at 1 o'clock, it's going to be you on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and the Ashley Fine Floors text line. You're listening to Oilers Now. Up next, the global news, weather, traffic update with Randy Gilburn.